Hi, welcome to another episode of Silk and Steel Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Za. Today, we will continue our tech coverage on the ongoing saga of U.S.-China tech war. Um, and we have back on the show Mr. T, who had previously appeared on the show before. Uh, so welcome back again, Mr. T. Uh, welcome back to you as well, uh, Carl. Uh, happy to be happy to be here. Yeah. So w- the news just came out. Uh, Trump administration just sanctioned the Chinese chipmaker SMIC. Uh, this move was, you know, like that was foreseen uh, uh, for a while now. That you know now now it's official. And um, so I, I kind of wanted to talk about its impact. Uh, I know we, we started to talk about a little bit when we talk about the U.S. war on Huawei. Um, so my understanding, this move is always also related to uh, basically the Huawei as well, right? Yeah, it is. It is. After, uh, after the U.S. barred uh, TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, from uh, from uh, from servicing Huawei, uh, the uh, Huawei turned around to SMIC to uh, help it fab its chips, um, and now the Trump administration wants to shut down SMIC as well. Yeah. So this, I mean, this is really an evolving story. I mean, um, like Huawei also originally Huawei uh, dep- also depended on Qualcomm chips, right? Uh, you know, Qualcomm is based in U.S., but Trump banned uh, Qualcomm to supply chips to Huawei. But then uh, it went further to ban even um, uh, uh, the TSMC, the Taiwan, the semiconductor uh, fab uh, manufacturer in Taiwan from supply chips to Huawei as well. Um, and then now it, it's applying sanction against the Chinese domestic uh, semiconductor chip maker SMIC. So, so it looks like this is just a drive to kill Huawei from all levels. Now, I have a question. Um, does Huawei have any other uh, suppliers? So, you know, for example, Samsung uh, from South Korea? I mean, even if those they did, uh, they would still be covered by the uh, the most recent set of uh, orders targeting them, right? Yeah. Um, so obviously, the, okay. But but before I go, uh, I I remember I, there was also news coming out that Trump might actually uh, issue a waiver. Right for to to allow Qualcomm to supply chips to to Huawei. Now, how do you read that? It's really about keeping Huawei from climbing the value chain, right? You know, Huawei, uh, like basically, if you uh, if you use Qualcomm chips, you got to pay Qualcomm royalty on their uh, on the IP in the chip. Um, whereas if Huawei, remember, created a whole bunch of five G IP, so Huawei doesn't have to actually pay Qualcomm that much um, if it designs and uses its own chips. Um, but, uh, then, then it, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about almost like a, for like something like a phone, you're talking like almost like a, what, a 15% swing in gross margin. So like, it's actually a sizable amount of money, right? And I'm not quite familiar with semiconductor. Does Qualcomm, you know, I know Qualcomm designed its own chips, but 
does it also manufacture those chips as well, or Qualcomm just send its order to Taiwan uh, to TSMC and it sends it, it uses TSMC for fab, but like it does two things actually, right? So first, it creates IP, so just pure pure patents, which other chip designers then incorporate into their designs, and then it creates uh, its own chip designs as well, which it sends to uh, which it sends to TSMC mainly to fab. And then other uh, other phone manufacturers can then just buy those chips off the shelf um, and, and incorporate them into their phones. Right. So, um, I mean, in response to the Qualcomm chip ban, originally Huawei said they're going to rely on their own indigenous design chips, right? Uh, what is it? Kirin, right? Uh, yep. Or uh, from its uh, subsidiary, High Silicon. And but uh, the problem with high silicon again is even though it's it's de- designed in house in Huawei, they still have to send the design to Taiwan for you know TSMC to actually manufacturing the chip. So does TSMC has a monopoly on uh, on chip manufacturing at this point? Only on leading leading edge nodes, right? So call it like five nanometer. Um, and this is actually because of the kind of a quirk in semicon manufacturing, right? So um, to get to a smaller, uh, more advanced node, you can generally do one of two things. You can do one, something called multi-patterning, which is, uh, if I, and my knowledge of semicon is pretty limited, but uh, to the best of my knowledge, it's it's where you sort of... Wait, um, Mr. T, you, you, you broke off, uh, I think the internet connection broke off a second. You, you... Uh, can you restart uh, at the point where you said, uh, where was it, um, the, the semiconductor node? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, so TSMC is only a leader at the uh, at the at the most uh, most advanced nodes in semiconductor manufacturing. So, uh, smaller smaller nodes are more advanced. So, five nanometer, which is smaller than something like seven nanometer or ten nanometer or fourteen is considered more advanced. And, uh, and the reason for that is because you need a specialized set of semiconductor manufacturing equipment, like almost a new generation of manufacturing equipment to manufacture at five um, versus something like seven, eight, or 10. Um, so, uh, and, and only TSMC has actually gotten that manufacturing equipment to work. Um, so it's called an, something that's called an EUV machine, uh, an enhanced ultraviolet machine. Um, and enhanced ultraviolet stands for the wavelength of light that is used in the laser to go and etch the silicon. Um, so, uh, so the um, remember, ultraviolet is a smaller, tighter wavelength than visible light. So uh, this laser is it can etch smaller node sizes than a visible light laser. Um, so uh, so that's that's kind of where TSMC's advantage comes from. But that doesn't necessarily mean that other players can't manufacture other types of chips. But it does mean that the types of chips they will manufacture are less advanced. Yeah, I remember uh, Intel. It was a big news when Intel ran into a problem to make five nanometer uh, chips uh, for commercial use, right? I mean, that's a that's a, that's just a, like a last month. It was re- very recent, and basically, it mean the 
Taiwan Semiconductor、um, (TSMC) is now the only kind of the chip fab that able to commercially produce、uh, five nanometer、uh, chips. And、uh, now let, that brings back to the、uh, you know, the Chinese chip manufacturer SMIC. So my knowledge of SMIC, you know, I remember back in two thousand. Uh, it started as、uh, you know, China wanted to grow its own indigenous capability in semiconductors. So it actually attracted a former,、uh, I think it was a former engineer or some some big shot from TSMC to start his own business, SMIC in China.、Um, now, but but the problem with SMIC is that it was always a couple generations behind. Uh, TSMC uh, that you know it, now now it's up to the point where it's able to manufacture I think、uh, what is it twelve nanometer or fourteen nanometer、uh, chip they they, think... they have they have a mature fourteen nanometer process and they're they're heading down to something they call eight nanometer if I recall correctly but I think that's just like a, a marketing term for their for their next more advanced process I don't really know what what node size SMIC's next next process is at so then why Would the Trump administration, you know, even bother to sanction SMIC when SMIC doesn't even have the latest cutting edge technology? Because、uh, Huawei's network baseband chipset doesn't require the most advanced node to fab, right? So Huawei's network baseband chipset, so that that's the thing that goes in the cell tower. Um, that thing is,、uh, you can fab it on like a seven nanometer process, or even eight nanometer, or even a ten nanometer process if you wanted to.、Um, it's just、uh, because because cell tower chipsets, like you can just kind of make them bigger or make them more less like less power efficient, and they'll still kind of do the job.、Um, it's not like in a phone where if your chip starts getting bigger, a it won't fit the phone anymore. Or B, it'll suck up too much battery life. None of those things are really a problem within like a cell tower. Right. So, so you know, like the the Trump waiver for Qualcomm、um, to supply chips to Huawei again. So it looks like the it's not a complete.、Uh, you know, it, it, they're not gonna. Try to kill. There was actually a New York Times editorial、uh, in the opinion page called "U S is going to decapitate Huawei," right?、Um, yeah. Which I thought it was a real sensational title. I mean, what is the U S is like now? The tech ISIS. <laughs> It's going to de- de- decapitate Huawei. But、um, from some, you know, the fact that Trump is now is talking about.、Uh, Issuing a waiver for Qualcomm to supply the chips to Huawei again. It sounds like the the real crux of the issue is to make Huawei and, by extension, the Chinese tech industry to be dependent on the U.S. suppliers, right? Yeah, to increase their dependence on U.S. suppliers, right? It's not to make them a hundred percent dependent, but to increase their dependence and then also deprive them of the operating profits. Uh, needed to sustain further research and R and D, right? Because like the, remember the difference between like having your own chipset and monetizing your own chipset, and then being forced to pay Qualcomm all that money is basically it's it's almost like up to like ten or fifteen percent of the price of a phone. So 
Um, that's that's a lot of money that could go into R&D that would go into Qualcomm's pockets and then be spent on R&D at Qualcomm, right? So, uh, so it's really it really boils down to that. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, back during the days of 3G and 4G, the reason uh, U.S. is largely okay with Huawei uh, taking more of market share is because, you know, 3G and 4G technology depends largely upon U.S.-based IP, right? So, yep. uh, you know, so in effect, you know, Huawei was building its uh, business on top of U.S. IP, which, you know, make it dependent. But but the, the problem with 5G is that Huawei now come up with a lot of its own patent on 5G. And that's what make U.S. nervous because you know, not only uh, not only that means, uh, you know, there's more independence, uh, you know, on, on, on Chinese tech side, but it also means for the pe- uh, people who are migrating to 5G, now they rely on Chinese IP, right? <laughs> that's yeah. that's what makes the, the, especially U.S. intelligence uh, agencies nervous. Um, now, okay, so so going forward, obviously, I'm going to ask you, what, what do you see? You know what's a, what's a, what's the impact on Huawei is going to be? You know in the in the immediate uh, short term and and the medium term. You know that's a there's a lot of move, there's a lot of variables in that equation, Carl. Um, so it's going to be it's going to like we're we're going to have to like start by making assumptions, right, and just say like progressively reducing it down before. Uh, before we can before we can like try to pin down any sort of you know hypothesis around that right um, like for the first sort of variable we're gonna have to figure out is will SMIC continue to supply Huawei right um, so will SMIC essentially bite the sanctions say you know what we'll just continue working with Huawei um, and uh, and and even if we get sanctioned. And we start losing a bunch of orders from Qualcomm as a result. Because remember, SMIC also fabs chips for Qualcomm too. Um, and even if, like, as a result, we can't supply phone ma- other phone makers like Xiaomi or Oppo, we're going to, like, 100% go with Huawei, right? We're just going to, like, you know, we'll, we'll go with them. Like, if SMIC actually makes... So right. Before, I mean, let me stop you for a second. So before we go into hypotheticals, what is the current ban? I mean, what does the current sanction on SMIC mean? I mean, does it mean just mean like, uh, you know, any any U.S. businesses that does uh, business with SMIC will be be affect? It will be sanctioned or yep. or yep. SMIC is prevented from doing any businesses with U.S. based business or, or what? What is there? What are the details of the sanction here? SMIC is prevented from doing business with U.S. based businesses. Oh well, but if SMIC's la- largest customer is Huawei, then what's the what's the problem? <laughs> I mean, like SMIC still needs. I mean, a lot. The real monopoly in, in the U.S. monopoly in semis is at the semicon equipment layer. Remember how I said that? So, so SMIC needs U.S. Equi- U.S. created equipment uh, to actually go and make chips, like the ch- assembly line. Hello, did I? Yeah. Of uh, so sorry, I accidentally muted you. <laughs> but what is so? 
so there's actually additional layers of dependencies here, right? I mean, it sounds like, uh, uh, you know, the U.S. tech uh, dominance is so prevalent that, uh, you know, it, there's, there's dependency on U.S. at every layer, right? So, so, so any kind of... Um, it's, uh, I would say at every layer. Obviously, the U.S. doesn't have it at the chip design layer anymore, right? It doesn't have it at like uh, it doesn't have it at um, even it doesn't even it doesn't even have it in like CPUs anymore, right? Because ARM is a British company, um, but like uh, but like in the chip manufacturing space uh, at Fabs, obviously it's TSMC and Samsung, so that's not US. But the inputs that they source uh, also have a US dependency, and those are three companies called Applied Materials. Lamb Research and KLA Ten Core, right? Um, so we're getting into really geeky stuff here, but uh, but those three uh, those three make respectively. I think um, actually I forget what AMA Applied Materials makes, but I know K KLA Ten Core and then Lamb also make something called Test Metrology and Packaging Equipment. Um, so they help you they help you measure whether the the circuits you made are the correct circuits. They help you measure. Um, whether the, uh, they help you package your circuit into a larger chip, um, essentially. Uh, and then applied materials, I believe gives you some of the, uh, some of the, uh, material, like the, the wafer input, um, or the, uh, no, actually, I'm sorry. Applied materials make, makes CVD. So chemical vapor deposition, right? So they, they create the environment upon which you can like deposit additional layers on a chip. Um, so these are very very specialized niche types of equipment. Um, and the reason there's only like a couple of companies here and they're based in the US is because each of these machines are like worth $20 million. Um, and there's only like, there's only two companies you sell to, right? Like TSMC and Samsung and maybe SMIC. Um, and and it's, so it's a very like, it's, a, it's not, it's a market with like a super high barriers to entry, right? So it's, it's like kind of not, not necessarily something that's like easily disrupted. Right, right, and and Samsung and TSMC, of course, are or hosted in countries that are uh, basically U.S. client state, right? Yep, so yep. U.S. have a lot of leverage there. Um, but then again, you know, like this, this before, there's one of the reasons there's so much interdependencies in in the tech space is because uh, you know the whole globalization. Uh, was premise on you know open open borders and uh, uh, and uh, you know like the comparative advantage right you 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 focus on what supposedly the the, the the fundamentals of free market capitalism is you know you you focus on what you do best and then um, you know you trade with the others um, but now we're entering. Uh, era of new paradigm, right? What, what U.S. is basic now, we're, what we're witnessing is essentially the breaking down of globalization, right? Uh, I mean, like now, now we have barriers coming up. Uh, I think in, in, in a way it's almost inevitable, but uh, I, I didn't see it happen this quick. Uh, so let, now let's let's go back to what, how would this, impact uh, Huawei in the immediate future? Yeah, I mean, so like I said, depends on whether SMIC will continue to supply Huawei or not. Um, that's first thing. Um, if SMIC doesn't, 
I can't see SMIC, by the way, not really supplying Huawei because they're a Chinese company and ultimately the Chinese government will just order them to supply Huawei, right? Because this is like a strategic imperative for China. So let's assume that they do. Um, then the next question becomes, uh, can SMIC actually uh, function without U.S. equipment and U.S. inputs? And I think that that's like kind of an open question. You'd have to actually go and physically visit their plants to like go and like verify like whether they whether they can function well or not. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of like TSMC is going to be throwing out all kinds of fear and doubt about SMIC's ability to function, right? And SMIC is just going to go off and say, like, look, we're we're fine. We can just do what we'll do, do what we need to, and and our lines will still run, um, and uh, and we'll continue to be able to grow. And then the third thing, the third and the fourth thing are sort of a bit more speculative, which is that a, can China actually develop homegrown equivalents of applied materials? KLA 10 core uh, and, and LAMB research, and then also develop ultimately a homegrown equivalent of ASML, right, which makes the uh, EUV machine that, uh, that TSMC bought, um, and, uh, and replace those companies. And then B, whether SMIC or other Chinese, Chinese fabs can incorporate that kind of technology and get it running at the same or roughly the same level of operating efficiency as TSMC can in their chip fab lines, right? So those are like two, two sort of interrelated technical questions. Um, and I think the jury there is still out. Uh, honestly, it's going to be really tough um, because you're talking, you're talking some incredibly hard, incredibly hard research, right? Like, like I'll give you an analogy, like uh, the, the T like a, uh, uh, a a uh, an EUV machine to create that laser pulse, the EUV laser pulse that etches uh, a five nanometer circuit. It to do that, it essentially create it like spits out this little ball of molten tin, um, and then spins that molten tin into a disc that it then, uh, or I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry, it doesn't spin the molten tin into a disc. It, it essentially, it vaporizes the tin, releases a high energy laser pulse via the tin, um, and then bounces that laser off, uh, that pulse of energy off mirrors that are so flat uh, that if you blew out the mirror to like the size of, I don't know, Texas, right? Uh, that, that mirror would have uh, undulations like so <laughs> that like essentially the top from like the peak to the valley of that mirror would be less than uh would be less than like three inches high right so so mirrors that are exceptionally flat um and uh and then for extremely high provision precision etching right and that's just like one piece of equipment in, in like a modern semi-confab um and the machines by the way that tsmc got themselves like they're not exactly like uh, they're not exactly production ready, right? Like essentially, EU, like because EU there is only uh, because EUV is like a monopoly, because AMAC, KLA, KLA Tencor, and and Lamb Research, etc., and Tokyo Electron, which is a fifth player, is are, are it's such a clubby market. They're happy ship, shipping like over like essentially science projects to their customers and letting their customers figure out how to keep those machines running, right? Like I, I remember talking to a semicon engineer once. And I asked him, like, oh, so, like, uh, you know, like, like you, you can, your, your fab can make X things per hour, right? X chips, number of chips per hour. Um, that means that, like, if we send you, like, an order 
uh, for like X number, X, Y, Z number of chips, then uh, you can uh, just go off and uh, you can just like make it at this like price and blah, 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 blah. He's like, dude, that's totally wrong. A, the machine breaks down every six hours. <laughs> and I, I remember saying, what? Like, you know, usually in a factory, like any piece of equipment has an uptime that's measured in like, you know, 700 or 1,000 hours of continuous operation. But no, like semi-con fab equipment like has uptime where, you know, it's like measured in like 20 hours or 40 hours before the machine like breaks down and needs to be fixed. Um, and then the second thing is like, he's like, yeah, the machine makes mistakes all the time. Right. So it'll like it'll like create circuits which are broken. It'll map circuits in the wrong place. It'll like have like unacceptable levels of variation. Like he'll say, like even there might even be like gravitational anomalies underneath the factory that you have to like account for. Like it gets kind of crazy because of how precise that manufacturing is to actually get that level of precision. So once that machine and that line gets shipped over to TSMC, they have to then put in a ton of work to actually get that line to a point where it can consistently and stably actually ship product, right? Um, so, so it's an incredibly difficult manufacturing problem. It's probably, I would say it's probably among the toughest manufacturing and engineering problems in the world um, in terms of just like how much precision is required. And that's like kind of the problem that China just has to go solve, right? So okay, I mean, we're, we're getting into super geeky, super technical details here, um, and I understand this is also a, a big challenge for China. This is one of the reasons that you know, despite China trying to catch up in the semiconductor sector since you know at least two thousand, uh, you know, twenty years later, they're still you know kind of trying to play catch up, right? But. Uh, my question is, you know, like if Trump allows Qualcomm to supply chips to Huawei, doesn't that mean in the short term or in the intermediate term that Huawei is okay with all its projects? Depends, right? Because like Huawei still has to keep its engineers fed and it has to keep them busy, right? Um, and, uh, and, and you know that like as soon as like, Imagine being like a design engineer and just being told that your work is meaningless, right? And like, you're, you're probably going to just get up and leave. And I've heard of like, uh, I've heard of people in that industry just trying to headhunt like Huawei engineers now, right? Because they're saying like, you know what, your company is going to go down the tubes. Uh, your, you know, your, your job's going to be meaningless. Get out of Huawei while you still can, right? So like, it, beca it becomes a question of if Huawei just sort of knuckles under and, and starts buying U.S. chips, whether they're, they're engineering, they can still hang on to their engineering staff. Wait, 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 hold on. You're you talking about the chip design part of Huawei, right? And yep. Because yep. Not, not, the, not all of Huawei. Um, but my understanding is before this U.S.-China tech war started, you know, Huawei had been importing Qualcomm chips. It was just, just developing this uh, chip design as well, like a side business, right? Like, nope, uh, nope. It wasn't. It was so ever since 2012, Huawei has been aggressively trying to indigenize more and more of their chips in every passing generation, right? So now they're at the point where they, they are able to ship, uh, ship a phone or practically any product short of a server that uh that is a hundred percent using Huawei's own chip IP. Right. Okay. So, um. Okay. So so what what then what really you uh, the impact of the snake ban 
is gonna is rather than killing Huawei as a whole, uh, as a company as a whole, but it's really killing, targeting like a surgical strike, right, uh, against the Huawei's chip design business, right? Is, is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yep. Okay, um, but now. I mean, uh, it's obvious with, you know, all the shenanigans coming from U.S. that, it's you know, if I were chi- Chinese top leadership, that, you know, the, the top priority for China in the next five to 10 years will be to build a tech stack independent from U.S., right? So you will not be yep. liable to blackmail. And so I I, I kind of, and Huawei been very tight with uh Chinese state, I I can't really see Huawei or China abandoning the effort to indigenize its own chip design and chip manufacturing, though. Oh no! In fact, it's just going to get accelerated. I mean, it's this is like you, you like literally the most of the people in China I talk to compare this to the Manhattan Project. They they literally think of it in in like sort of existential like. Na- nation state like survival terms right like the to ma- like the need the project to master this technology so well yes because you know this is one of the china's uh, uh, kind of the way to escape the so-called uh, middle income trap right i mean like the the ways to 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 escape the middle income trap is to move up the value chain um yep. by um, by doing, you know, to, by by developing its own indig- indigenous capabilities uh, to rely less and less upon, um, you know, the foreign foreign components. Go ahead, go ahead. Just Sorry. an aside here, you, the U.S. has loved preaching that the way out of the middle income trap was free trade and and like the Washington Consensus, right? Um, and it turns out, like, you know, for you know, it turns out now very graphically that the U.S. is saying with its actions, that the actual way out of the middle income trap is to essentially try to create as much IP and like research, do as much R&D investment as possible, right? And, and it has nothing to do with free trade and, and anything, anything like, like, if anything like free trade is, is just essentially a source of technology for upgrading the productivity of your economy and nothing more, right? Like the US is just stating that very bluntly with its actions that over the last 25 years, it's international economic advice to developing countries was just all wrong. Oh yeah, I mean back then, you know, US promoted free trade because that helped to further US hegemony, right? To help US uh, multinational US-based multinationals to to further penetrate uh into markets of, you know, emerging uh emerging markets. Uh but now when when the US hegemony is, is actually being challenged Particularly by China, it's it's uh, you know global, suddenly globalization doesn't look so good anymore, right? And, yep. and uh, um, yeah, and so so now that's why we're seeing trade barriers going up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now the question is quite okay. For I think the question on everyone's mind, of course, is you know what what is going to be China's response, right? And and I think. Um, in the long term and mid midterm, of course, China is going to try to uh, build it, 
to to further develop its own indigenous capability, right? To build its own IT stack independent from from like U.S. monopoly. Uh, but in the short term, though. Um, uh, because it does take some time, as you mentioned, it's going to take incredible amount of research, uh, investment, um, and and it's in the short term. How you know? How is it? Uh, you know, I, 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 I actually I, I don't see how how the Trump admins. Uh, <laughs> tactic is going to succeed um i'm trying to spin up a scenario where uh you know like they're going to stop huawei uh chip business and, and make huawei just kind of go back to the pre uh like like set the clock back five ten years when ma- making huawei more dependent on, on us but I, I i don't see how that could possibly happen um Especially if Huawei survives, right? As a whole, uh, you know, if Huawei dies, that's that's a different, different question. But 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 it's just, yeah, I just don't see how how that's gonna work. You know, it's it's gonna be, you know, you're just a. Uh, I mean, with with this action, like the like the, I would say this is a. This is, I, I know people have been saying like, oh, XYZ is a seminal moment, blah, 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 blah. But like, I think this really is like, like the curtain, the curtain has fallen, right? The US is the one dropping an iron curtain, not China, right? Uh, which is sort of ironic, right? But they're the ones saying like, we are just, we're going to be like the Ming dynasty. We're just going to like cut off foreign trade, um, except trade that's on our terms. Um, and, uh, and and uh, everything sort of beyond the wall, so to speak, just does not receive, just can, should not trade with us, right? Like, like um, so, so, so that's A. Um, and then B, there, I think there was a, another question inside your question, if that's correct. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, like, look, like the, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, the second thing is that there's, there's really no, uh, there's no incentive for any any Chinese company to trust a U.S. supplier ever again, right? Like, if if I'm a if I'm any type of Chinese company at all, like I have an incentive to get every single American supplier out of my supply chain as quickly as possible, right? Or at least develop alternatives to them as quickly as possible, right? Because like. Like even if like essentially, because because the number one thing you want all businesses want in their suppliers is reliability, and if they they believe that you know they could be that the U.S. government could cut them off at any moment, off like any key input, then they're just going to go and plow all their resources into substituting for every single comparative advantage America has, right? Like. It, like essentially the US is doing a better job of forcing Chinese companies to go up the value chain than any amount of like incentives and like you know speeches that Xi Jinping could do uh, could could ever make right so uh, well, yeah it's it's like a life or death situation now for most of the Chinese tech companies which uh, uh, is a good segue into the other band uh, that's that's uh, that's kind of also ongoing. Uh, what is going on with the TikTok band? Because um, at one point, 
Trump was okay to kind of sign a waiver for TikTok to have ByteDance to maintain a majority uh, stakehold hold and, and while ha- allowing like uh, Trump's buddy uh, Lear Ellison from Oracle to get a get a share but now now Trump is going back and saying say no what is going on there um you know it's it's probably conflicting pressures that Trump faces right like uh you know apparently Bill Barr wasn't happy with the latest iteration of the TikTok deal so i guess in the Trump cabinet uh you just have to get you have to get like you know, various advisors, very various advisors, like Mnuchin put together the TikTok deal, right? So, you know, Treasury's on board with it, but perhaps Pompeo and Bill Barr weren't, right? So then they had to, you know, they're, they're saying no, and then Trump is saying, oh, no, 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 let's not do that, right? So apparently in the, I guess in the Trump cabinet, you have to, you have to go and like, uh, you just have to go and try to, it, it just depends on who, which advisor has the president's ear at, at a particular moment, right? I mean, it. I mean, we all know Trump admin is very dysfunctional, but th- this kind of uh, this kind of back and forth on the TikTok deal is really uh, kind of mind boggling. Because oh, you know, one oh, one moment the the they the reported on the news that Trump give its blessing, it's okay, and then two days later, it's like oh no, sorry, uh, the deal is the deal is no go. Um, and 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 the reason I brought TikTok is because you know the the, the TikTok parent company um, ByteDance, the founder of ByteDance, it was actually uh, known for having a very pro-West and pro-US uh, stance in China. Yep. Right? I mean, he he was actually just called. I just saw news today. Um, uh, actually, he was called out by. I think it was Pompeo, um, one of the White House officials, that he was basically voice of the Com- Chinese Communist Party, <laughs> and that's a that's a reason cited for for the Trump rejection of the latest TikTok deal. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, like it it sounds like more like an excuse um, uh, spit out by the Trump admin uh, on their latest refusal to let the TikTok deal go forward, but. Uh, the fact that everybody in China knows the you know the ByteDance founder is very publicly vocally pro U.S. and then U.S. is basically shafting him, right? I mean, <laughs> he really serves like in a way, he really serves notice to all the all the uh, all the Chinese uh, uh, tech industry uh, in, uh, leaders, you know, who may have harbored some kind of illusion about about U.S. government um, and what they will do. So, what what do you see? You know, what's going to happen with TikTok? You know, first off, like your your point about him being against like the U.S. It's not just lip service, right? Like ByteDance has like sixty thousand employees. Um, and they only have 130 employees, which are members of the Communist Party of China, right? By, like, uh, the Communist Party of China comprises about 92 million people out of 1.3 billion. So that's about 7.8%, right? Around 8%. Uh, so, like, if, they're, if the CPC was represented proportionately inside, uh, inside ByteDance, uh, you know, you would expect almost, like, uh, you would expect almost 4,000 employees to be Communist Party members, but only 130 are, right? So you can kind of tell that 
the ByteDance's founder, Zhang Yiming, is consciously trying to build a company that is very international and very independent of the Chinese government, right? And the fact that even with that kind of corporate culture and approach, he's still being punished and called a Communist Party mouthpiece by, you know, Pompeo, like that just, I think like, I think the U.S. just kind of, they just lost China's private sector, right? Like, which, like, they're going to think like, man, like, there is no, <laughs> like, what, what the hell? Why would I ever touch the U.S. market ever? Why would I ever touch anything American ever? They're just going to assume I'm a Communist Party member. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with the Chinese government at this point, right? Okay, so let's talk about impact, <laughs> the future. What? Well, I mean, uh, I, I did even, you know, like we, we, we last, I think last time we talked was a week ago. Um, uh, I didn't even foresee all these drama happening in, in the matter of, of a week. What, first of all, you know, like there's a, there's obviously a domestic politics factor of Trump admin's decision, right? Because yep. um, right now we are very close to the election and, and uh, you know, there's already leak coming out from the White House saying that you know they the P- White House House officials thinks that getting tough with China will be the ticket you know for to get Trump reelected, right? And so so part of these these uh, the tech work should be seen in 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 light of that, right? It's it's part of uh, Trump's uh, getting tough with China, uh, both as grandstanding and but also to uh, you know, increase it, increase tension of China to 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 shore up its own domestic support. Um, now, uh, you know, election is is going to happen very soon. The what? And the, we're we're talking about hypothetical now, of course, right? <laughs> what uh, do you see this kind of crazy? Um, you know, the, the current craziness would continue under a non-Trump administration, under a Biden administration? I don't think Biden would be against TikTok um, as much. They might create rules uh, that prevent TikTok from hosting its algorithm outside the U.S. for U.S. users, right? I think that that seems to be what they want to do, but I don't think they'd force the uh, ownership to change, Right. Um, so, so it would be like some sort of data localization thing. Um, and they might impose very onerous security audits on TikTok, right? You know, that raise their operating costs, throw sand in the gears, essentially. Um, but I don't think that they would try to kill it. Um, that just, that's just not, that just not like, um, I don't think that that's on the cards. Um, uh, as for the, as for what might like uh, you know what might happen to you know TikTok, you know going forward, like uh, you know it's very. Uh, I think it's very. You, you're you're. May, can we go talk about Facebook and all of this? Because I think Facebook <laughs> is like the key. Facebook is the key yes. variable, actually. Like yes, you know, yes. you know something something that came to me today. Mark Zuckerberg is the most important swing voter in the United States, right? Okay, can you expand on that. He, basically, he, he can he is he can he is the kingmaker in this upcoming election, right? Like Mark Zuckerberg has gone out and said that he wants to register four million new voters via Facebook. Um, he's gone off and, and told a bunch of people that, 
right? Mark Zuckerberg has said that, you know, he's going to con- do create some sort of election information, like control center or something like that, where he's going to tell all the users on Facebook what the verified election results are. And that control center is going to be operationally controlled by a very tight group of people uh, that are that is comprised like Sheryl Sandberg, Nick Clegg, the former deputy prime minister of the UK, who is also Mark Zuckerberg's uh, global head of public policy, um, and then Mark Zuckerberg himself, right? So they're going to determine what the correct vote count is, for lack of a better term, <laughs> and then they're going to go and uh, they're going to go and also censor content and disable WhatsApp forwards or messenger forwards that promote election-related violence or misinformation. So they're going to actually just go full bore and tell people that you can't spread rumors about the election via Facebook, right? Like, do you see that? You know, all of these things, they kind of sound neutral, but they give him like an enormous amount of leverage in the upcoming election, right? But don't you think it's that that was a reaction to the latest backlash against Facebook? I mean, like- of course, of course, it's it, there, he's in a sort of a damned if he does, damned if he doesn't situation, right? Um, but you know, at the same time, he has an enormous, enormous amount of implied leverage over the political process. I mean, even if it's reactive, just, you know, what he's trying to do gives him such an enormous amount of leverage. And how does this actually play back to TikTok? Is we all know that Zuckerberg just hates TikTok. He would he wants to see it die, right? Like, it's not too far-fetched to speculate that, um, all politicians realize that, you know, if I want to just keep, if I want to keep, you know, Mark happy, um, like the simplest way for me to do that is just to continue bashing on TikTok, right? Okay, so, 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 right, right. So, so that, that will make Facebook kind of uh, the, the, the constant thread <laughs> against TikTok, because that, that's not, not going to go away. Uh, because TikTok is one of their, their biggest uh, kind of threat in the social media space you know tiktok owns instagram and and it's it, you know the the, the 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 obviously the trend is the tiktok download is outpacing um anything that in 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 facebook's uh, quiver so okay so all this is is kind of um that that's really just tiktok related right that's just this is because this is really a very specific, um, you know, TikTok Facebook rivalry here. Uh, but but going forward, like I, I'm more interested in kind of uh, overall um, direction of the U.S.-China relationship, particularly in the tech space, because um, you know, By By Dance was actually, uh, you know. Huawei, which received a lot of support from the Chinese state, ByteDance was a more kind of uh, it, it happened outside of the Chinese state support. It actually it's almost like happened by accident. It's just something that that um, it surprised everybody, right? How how, how um, TikTok kind of broke into the global market space outside of China. Um, and, and, okay, so, but that's just TikTok, um, one company. What about, what about um, the rest? 
Yes, yes. I yes, mean, yes. look, the U.S. U.S. policy on China is very, from a tech policy perspective, it's very simple. It is to keep China from going up the tech value chain any way it can. It is to make sure that U.S. platforms, uh, not Chinese platforms, have access to as many users around the world as they can. Um, and it is also to make sure that uh, China does not have any, um, call it, like China itself is compelled to continue paying huge amounts of uh, you know, IP royalty or IP tax to U.S. companies just for the privilege of continuing to operate a modern economy, right? Like that's kind of the three interrelated policy pillars of America, and they're not going to change at all. Um, no matter it's a Biden administration, a Trump administration, I mean, you could have like a Sanders administration, you could have like, I mean, you could have like AOC, like or Cortez, like run a, run a US presidency, and she would be pushing for the same exact three things, um, because those are structural. Um, so, and, and, and like, I think that, like, unless, like, I think China is slowly waking up to that fact. I think what's kind of scary is that or what's kind of noteworthy is that for a long time, like China thought the U.S. could be reasoned with, right? That oh, like if if we just go and you know if we just go and uh, go and uh, you know offer enough you know upside to U.S. tech companies, or if we go and engage with you know and buy some soybeans, or if we do you know if we go and uh, you know make some noises about like cooperating on climate change, that the U.S. will be reasoned with, and you know they'll they'll sort of remove some of these roadblocks in the tech war. No. That that's not going to happen. On technology, the U.S. is like the Terminator, right? It cannot be reasoned with. It cannot. It will not stop. Uh, I'm sorry. It cannot be reasoned with. <laughs> it can't be. Uh, it can't be. Uh, can't be diverted. It will not. Absolutely, will not stop. And it will never stop until China's tech industry is dead, right? Like that is. That is the. That is the verdict. And I think China is starting to get that mentality about the United States, and just say that you know what. We're going to try to obviously, you know, be as defensive and uh, sort of try to delay the delay, delay confrontations as much as we can while China builds up. But that over the long run, they understand that there's going to be a day of reckoning, right? Where like the U.S. is going to resort to increasingly extreme measures to hamper China's economic progress. And, and they're just going to try their best to be ready for that day, right? And that's where it gets frightening, right? Which is that I don't think... Like, I think that so far, China has been competing with one hand tied behind its back, whereas the U.S. is definitely bringing out both both fists. But going forward, like, China is just going to be increasingly, increasingly aggressive about its own interests. And that's that's going to that's going to lead us down a very dark path, I believe. Yeah, I mean, was didn't China come out uh, announcement about, uh, you know, possible retaliation against U.S. companies like Google? Um, um, and and uh, and Apple, um, in response to you know the the latest uh, the WeChat ban and the and the uh, you know the the action against Huawei, the, the semiconductor ban, etc. Yeah, uh, so there's going to be an unreliable entities list, right? Um, and you know some of the the names that they're tossing around on that list, in my opinion, they're they're weak, right? They're who cares about like a company like um like FedEx, right? They're thinking about adding FedEx or like Cisco to that list, right? These are like, or like HP and Dell. These are, these are not companies that are 
threatening sort of China's tech progress, right? Like when you're talking about old old line IT equipment manufacturers, the amount of the amount of technological value add or their irreplaceability is is not that high, right? So uh, they're they're not necessarily right. And then FedEx obviously is just I think that that's just about like you know we just want to destroy their stock price, but like in the end there it has minimal relevance to the overall technology equation, right? Like the real targets obviously that China would if if China was serious about retaliation, the targets they would actually go after would be like Apple, Qualcomm, Nvidia, uh, Intel, um, AMD, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. Um, Tesla, because they want to slow down U.S. progress in EVs, um, they'd also want to like slow down. Like if they really wanted to, you know, play and and if they really wanted to mess with you know U.S. restrictions on TikTok, they might go after Disney, right? Um, you know, like that. That would be the types of that would be like real serious um, moves. And if they wanted to, they could really obviously like they could really go after Apple and Tesla in particular by messing with not only their ability to sell in China, but their ability to produce as well, right? Uh, I mean, that that scenario we're talking about, a full-blown economic warfare, right? I mean, like like right now, it's uh, mostly U.S. has initiated this uh, current around the tech war. Uh, But I think, you know, what you're right. I mean, a lot of the, the, the Chinese gesture is largely symbolic right now. I mean, it's it's showing that the, the government is doing something, but uh, it's not it's not the point where um, they're just uh, <laughs> flipping the table and <laughs> and issuing ultimatum, right? It's I think I think yeah. Also, in a way, it kind of makes sense because with the election so close, um, I'm sure China is also adopting a wait and see approach to see what will happen after the November election, right? I mean, there's there's a possibility of four more years of Trump or, you know, what uh, a new Biden administration might bring, um, right? Before before China decide on a more, um, a, a more, more escalation, right? And, and uh, I think I, th- yeah, I, um, so I, I mean, I think over long term, this is just my personal opinion, uh, that I don't, I think China will be okay. I, I, I don't, you know, US will do its utmost to stop the China's rise, you know, to preventing China to, from challenging US hegemony in all different levels. But I, I just don't see, uh, I just don't see US succeeding in that. Unless you know there's a hot hot war, right? Unless there's a hot war that ends in you know nuclear exchange. Barring that, I mean, I, I, I don't. I think China probably will continue to develop its capabilities. I mean, it already has a will and and it has the capability. Um, but I think what the danger is now we're seeing. Um, we are developing into a cold war situation where now the world is divided into two camps right now you have us and its allies uh i'm talking about five i countries and maybe some european countries uh with its own um 
you know, tech stack <laughs> and, and, and its own internet. And then, then China and maybe the rest of the world running on, you know, 5G, uh, Chinese 5G and, 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 the, you know, the, and the, the Chinese tech products. Right. I mean, I think, I think that's what, what is starting to happening, uh, you know, like, like with the five I countries, um, you know, basically starting the Huawei ban. Uh, I mean, it, it, it hasn't really worked very well for U.S. I mean, as we know, now the so-called uh, 5G in U.S. is a joke, right? I mean, it's, I think they just rebranded 4G as 5G. Because <laughs> there was a report that uh, just came out that, you know, the 5G in U.S. actually is actually slower <laughs> in some instances than 4G. So, uh but it's it's not a uh, it's not going to be a pretty picture with the kind of the dividing camps like like the iron like a digital iron curtain right? Um, no, it, it, and it, I agree, I agree. It's very tragic, you know, because uh, because the whole effort to do go three G, four G, five G was one of kind of the first real international engineering projects, um, and it was uh, it was done in a very very geopolitically neutral manner. You know, it was just like saying it was just a bunch of engineers getting together and just trying to figure out what worked across a range of different countries. And, you know, it was like probably like, um, you know, it's like it's the kind of international cooperation that, you know, would have been great in the early days of COVID. But like, you know, like that, that's like that's that's just going to be increasingly rare to see going forward. And especially in the tech space, you're just going to see so much hostility bleed out from this break. Um, that I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the U S and China having, like, I will make a prediction here that like in 10 years time, like the actual amount of technology trade, direct technology trade between the U S and China will be right around the same level today, or even less that there won't be any growth in that, in that trade at all. Um, yeah, like even, even though, you know, China is the fastest growing market for many U S tech companies. You know, I, I predict that at, if you go to 2030, you know, that, that total sort of U.S. tech export to China will just be the same. Um, and, uh, and it's going to be limited to components where the U.S. might have a marginal advantage in quality. But, you know, those are not components that are systemically important to final products for China. So. Uh, this is something we haven't talked about. I mean, um I'm really surprised there's not a, 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 a big pushback from U.S. against this, uh, you know, tech war business. Because, um, as you mentioned, there's so much potential in the Chinese market. And, you know, in, in terms of, of TSMC, right, like they, they derive a large part of their business, basically, with China, either directly or, or indirectly, right? Um and like how, you know, like how, how I mean, I, I, I just can't understand why is there, there's not a stronger pushback from, you know, various uh, tech com- companies, both within U.S. and also in U.S. U.S. US ally countries against this, this uh, you know, the, 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 the actions of Trump administration, because this can be. I mean, yeah, yes, there's Facebook, you know, which has an obvious uh, reason for banning TikTok. But 
there are other U.S. companies who are suppliers to the Chinese market that stood to lose, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, uh, but, you know, I, I think that they just don't have political power in the U.S. anymore. I mean, I think the, you know, not not on the issue of China, right? And also, uh, the U.S. government has been setting up semiconductor funds, um, sort of technology investment funds, to you know, sort of keep them uh, keep them happy, um, sort of partially compensate them for the loss of the Chinese market. Ah, okay. I mean, but but that's more like a stopgap measure, right? I mean, like yeah, the, the, I agree. I mean, I, I know these guys are not happy about it, right? Like everybody is just kind of. You know, they're 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 feeling like you know what, like uh, China is just gonna, you like China might have turned into a full bore competitor in 2030 just organically, right? Because they were, you know, because they, uh, because China was just gonna develop, and then Chinese companies were gonna develop in a variety of sectors, and then sort of over time they would they would start competing with U.S. companies. So you would have like one Chinese company in every part of the stack. But it wouldn't be like, oh, China's doing it just despite the U.S. But I think now it is, you know, you're just going to, that that 2030 date is going to accelerate, right? It's going to go forward to maybe 2027, maybe 2025, right? Where, uh, where, where, where China is just going to have, you know, its own independent stack. And that mark, once that, once that cluster is created, you know, that market is sort of lost to you forever, right? Like it's, it's not coming back. Um, and I think like a lot of U.S. companies are unhappy about it, but but they're just uh, there's just no sympathetic ears on on in Washington D.C. for that kind of uh, that kind of message. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's that that's a uh, that's a broader problem in the whole U.S. China relationship right now. It's the the kind of the pro engagement side has effectively been silent for the last few years. Um, and, and, and uh, also, I, I'd even go further, right? So if you think about it, who are five companies that have not necessarily complained much about the whole China-U.S. tech war, right? There are companies like Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon, right? They're the five largest U.S. tech companies. Why haven't these companies complained as much as the rest of these U.S. tech companies which are suffering as a result of this? Um, it's because... They, those five companies oc- occupy the most lucrative parts in the tech value chain, right? They're like the end consumers of all the other techno- technological innovation that happens, right? It's like, it's like, for example, like if, I, if I'm a laser researcher and I invent a higher powered laser um, that has applications in making better chips uh, via etching, and it has also applications in you know better lidar for driverless cars. Where is that value going to end up accruing to? Well, the better chips are going to go and make uh, you know better AI applications. They're going to make a bunch of other things. So that value is going to accrue you know to companies like Facebook and Google, um, and to a lesser extent Apple as well, right? If I make better lidar, that's going to go into driverless cars. You know that's just going to accrue to Google. You know, and then possibly, uh, possibly to Tesla, a little bit of Tesla as well, right? Like it's just not like you have companies that sort of span the whole that just end up harvesting all the R and D that happens not only in the U.S. but across the entire Western world that just have built trillions and trillions of dollars of market cap as a result of it, and um, and they honestly don't care 
if their suppliers, if the whole rest of the value chain is forcibly shut off from the China market, right? Because they just feel like, you know what, like we're not part of the China. Those, those five companies besides Apple are not major players in the China market anyways. So they just think, you know what, like, you know, it's fine if the rest of our supply chain can't participate in China. It just means that we have more leverage versus the versus the entire rest of the tech industry. Yeah, that's a very bleak picture. <laughs> I mean, it, it is it is what it is. And if you look at like even stock returns over the last like five years or so, those companies plus like Netflix and maybe Tesla account for something like um, almost thirty five or forty percent of all the gains in the stock market, right? Like it's, you have essentially an economy which is oriented, uh, which is very unequal, not only between people, but also from company to company. You essentially have a very small minority of winners that are dictating rules of engagement out to the entire rest of the economy at this point. Yeah. Okay, we are coming up to one hour mark. I, I know originally I kind of also want to talk a, a little bit about India, right? Which is yep. another market that the U.S. government, I mean, not the U.S. government, but the U.S. tech companies are penetrating uh, where, where there was somewhat of a competition between um, like kind of the U.S. and the the the, the, the Chinese tech companies, uh, but in different space. But uh, un- until very recently, right? Because it's a, um, now, do you still have time to talk about that, or yeah, we say as, as, you know, as long as you've got you've got some time, you know, happy. Maybe we can, you know, we can cut that for like a for a separate episode too. But yes. you know, I can yes. I can I can talk about it as well. So yes, because uh, this is something that's not very well reported in the English language media, but this is also a very important part of kind of the unfolding global tech um, competition, right? That's unfolding uh, between U.S. and China. But then then there's also, in addition, there's a, uh, uh, you know, the, a lot of the layers of, of India's domestic politics getting involved, right? So, so um, India obviously is a, a large country with huge population, and it has been seen as a huge potential market uh, for a long time, and even touted in the English language media as kind of like the potential rival to China, right? I mean, like the... Uh, as, I think uh, as early as 2000, there's, there's a lot of comparison being made by, by India and China. But India is always held up as some, you know, because uh, as a positive um, kind of positive comparison to China, because India supposedly is the world's largest democracy, whereas China is, uh, you know, single party uh, <laughs> authoritarianism, Communist Party, right? All, all the all the bad associations. So um, for a long time, the argument was that uh, you know eventually, because India has the political stability and legitimacy conferred by its democracy and free press, um, that India will eventually win out, right? Um, you know, versus China. It's like sometimes the, the the, the um I remember the analogy was being made as tor- tortoise and the hare, right? The, you know, China might be the hare, but 
the 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 tor the Indian tortoise slow but steady, but eventually you will catch up and and surpass China. Well, we we haven't really seen that in the last twenty years. I mean, if anything, the gap has grown even bigger. But uh, because you know the potential of the Indian market, um, you know, a lot of the um, tech. Um, a lot of the tech companies, both both Chinese and American, are, are rushing into India, um, and and this. Uh, okay, maybe I should just uh, stop with the intro and let you take over because you 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 obviously more familiar than me in this uh, in this area. For sure. Um, so let me just lay it out. I'll start from the most recent things and then just work backwards. Um, that probably might be the best way to explain this. So uh, recently, India did a bunch of app bans on Chinese apps, right? 118 apps uh, uh, in the second round, 59 in the first round. They hit apps like TikTok. They hit apps like WeChat. They hit apps like PUBG, which is not even a Chinese app. It's like a Korean app, but it's partially owned by Tencent. So it just got swept up. Um, and they banned all, right? Um, and they banned it you know, in sort of a very draconian uh, action without any sort of forewarning whatsoever. Um, in response to uh, to the uh, essentially a border incident uh, along the Chinese Indian border, where uh, where about twenty Indian soldiers died and an unknown number of Chinese soldiers as well, um, where there essentially some some there was a fist fight, a bunch of guys drowned, uh, etc. Um, and uh, and and that you know people were wondering well. You know, is this just some sort of like, oh, it's it's all about diplomatic posturing. It's it's you know, India has limited military leverage versus China, so this is the only real way they can retaliate, etc. Um, I think it's a little bit more than that. Like, if you peel back the onion here, there's a very large Indian company involved that benefits from all these moves, and it's called Reliance, right? Um, have you heard of Reliance before, Carl? Uh, be, be... Yeah, I actually invested in them. Uh, maybe. 10 years, 10, 20 years ago. Oh, you're, smart, you're a smart man. <laughs> um, I, I only briefly, only briefly. Um, okay. Uh, and then uh, I, I backed out because I, I realized it's a company. The way Reliance is wrong is to further accrue um, wealth for the, for, for its owner, right? The Abani family. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe you can talk about that. Not 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 all of the Ambani family, just Mukesh's branch. Um I mean I met I actually met Anil Ambani and I might be like doxing myself here, but like I actually met Anil Ambani at an Indian wedding once. What follows is a bonus episode for my patrons where we discuss and contrast the development of tech industry in China versus India. U.S. dominance of the global tech space and its penetration of the Indian market. To lessen, head over to patreon.com, search Silk and Steel Podcast, where for $5 a month, you will receive weekly premium content like this, as well as early release episodes before they have been released to the public. I put in a lot of effort putting together this podcast, and I do ask you for your support. I hope you enjoy listening, and I hope you subscribe. Thank you. Bye-bye.